Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Stories of Q's podcast. My name is Sebastian Callahan, and I'm a junior at Syracuse University, and I'm a research assistant at the LGBTQ Research Resource Center. And we're working to establish our first queer oral history archive. And a few of our goals for this project include amplifying marginalized voices that are often wrongfully spoken for or over. And I'm pleased to be here with you, Margaret, and I'd like to extend all my gratitude to you for taking the time out of your schedule to participate in this interview. And please know that you may revoke your consent at any point during or after this interview. If you're feeling uncomfortable or would like to take a break, please let me know. Your safety and well-being is of our utmost priority, and we definitely want to make that clear. Thank you so much again for Thank taking you. the time to share your story with us. We greatly appreciate it. And without further, further ado, we'll dive into some questions. So um, should I address you as Professor Margaret or Margaret? Margaret's fine. OK. OK, perfect. So um, what's your full name and what are your pronouns, if you'd like to share? Uh, my full name is Margaret Himley, and my pro- pronoun- pronouns are she, her, hers. Okay. And about when and where were you born? Uh, I was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1946. Oh, great. And about when do you remember coming to terms with your queerness or queer identity, and do you feel comfortable sharing the ways you identify? Um, sure. I, I became, had clues growing up. Uh, certainly by the time I hit high school and puberty, I started to think I'm very attracted to women. But I didn't actually come out till I was uh, in my late 20s um, teaching. I was teaching then at the time. Okay. Great. And... What was it like growing up as a member of the LGBT community with your family and friends? Well, um, I didn't. um, I had friends. I didn't tell my family for a long time. I had been married and I had a son. Um, So I was so I was um, busy and I was I was in graduate school working on a Ph.D. And um, I started to um, join the LGBT community mostly through the bars in Chicago. Wow, that's a lot of bars. There were a lot of fun nights, and that was really the place where I started to feel um, like who I was. Oh, wow! Yeah, that sounds great. And what's your connection to Syracuse? And especially like. What about the LGBT community have you been involved in here in Syracuse? So I'm, I was, I reti- I've been retired for a couple of years, but I was faculty at, at Syracuse for um, 37 years uh, in the writing program. And I am one of the co-founders with Andrew London of the LGBT Studies 
um, program and minor. That's fantastic. Which, I I'm, happy, which I'm happy to talk about. Yeah, early sure. Days. If you want to talk about that right now, that could be great on this slide. Okay. Well, well, in the um, in 2001, as you undoubtedly know, the Resource Center was formed um, as a result of student action. Actually, they they um, they did a kind of a campus climate survey and convinced the administration that that there was a real need to have support services for LGBTQ students. Um, after that, in 2002, then a Senate committee was formed on LGBT concerns. I don't think that's the title of it now, but that was what it was called then which was charged with educating, um, addressing campus climate and also educating people on LGBT issues. And then a group of faculty in response to student interest um, decided to pursue an LGBTQ studies minor um, courses, student funded courses. And, um, and there, were, there was an emerging scholarship in LGBTQ studies that was happening then. So there were many, many disciplines from from architecture to women's studies who had within them scholars who were doing work on sexuality and gender. So it felt like Syracuse University needed one to address student interest and two to infuse and represent this LGBTQ scholarship in its curriculum. So the goal was to have a minor for people who wanted to study it carefully and then also to infuse LGBT studies scholarship um, across the curriculum. Um, so that, that was the goal. You, and we got a grant, and we had a three-year plan um, to, to determine faculty interest. There weren't a lot of LGBTQ courses at the time, um, so we needed to, to know that we had faculty that were going to teach courses regularly. Um, we wanted to learn from experts in other fields, and we also wanted to assess student interest and desire, what, the, what students really wanted to get out of these courses. Um, so we started a whole, we did a whole bunch of stuff. We had we had um, conversations, we had student forums, we had a faculty reading group, we had experts come into campus and talk about um, LGBTQ studies programs and how they worked. We um, spent some time, we held, we held a, a conference with about 170 people who came. Hmm. Graduate students wrote a book called Interrupting Heteronormativity, which I, is I've available online, I think yeah. still. Yeah, because there, you know, that because graduate students are in the classroom also confronting issues around students uh, that students are confronting and, and how to help them. So, um, so that happened. Um, and after a couple of years, we had we were able to put through the curriculum. We had the two core courses, the QSX courses, um, and then we also had at that point at the beginning we had 17 courses, mostly new across 11 departments. So it was um, pretty exciting. It was a really exciting curriculum because it was so multidisciplinary. So students, you know, sexuality in space by an architect professor, um, a political science professor on what was then a hot topic called gay marriage, which you know hadn't happened yet by any means. Um, so there was there was uh, there was also a certain amount of political work. We worked with HR on uh, getting benefits for same sex couples, um, which took a couple of years, which now seems strange. <laughs> we would have to fight that hard, but um, we did. And um, anyway, that was, so then, it, then we got off the ground. We started, I think we started offering courses in 2006, fall of 2006. Wow. Um, That's fantastic. So now, 
Yeah, it was good, huh? Yeah, it's, it was so thank exciting. you so much for starting that. Oh, it was the most. It was the most fun we had. Andrew and I were the Andrew London, who's the. You may know Andrew London. I did. I tried to reach out to him. Yeah. Yeah, he's associate dean now in uh, Maxwell too. Uh, we we were the kind of point people for the for the effort, but there were a whole lot of faculty and students working together to make this happen. Yeah, well, thank you so much for starting that. You know, honestly, definitely some interesting classes have come out of it, and I'm lucky to have taken a couple and definitely have yeah? taken some great What professors. have you taken? Um, I took a class with my professor, Ethan Madrieta, and it was on, like, Latinx futurisms. Yeah, cool. But, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Uh, honestly, all, most books were written by LGBTQ authors, and it was interesting yeah. to read some modern sci-fi, uh, which isn't normally what I read. Uh, <laughs> what is your major, Sebastian? I'm a creative writing major, and honestly, oh, my focus is yeah. on poetry, pretty much, I'd say. I, um, yeah, I'm a big poet, and I, I don't know. I love to read. Yesterday, I picked up some good copies of books, first day at the library back. So it's great to be back in Syracuse with all this, you know, all these resources we have great, around us. That's a great major. That's new, relatively new. So I'm glad you're in it. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. I honestly. hope you, I hope, yeah, I bet. I hope you take some more of the LGBT uh, courses too. Um, I really hope so too. Hope Please let me know if there's anything I can take because the there's lots of space in my major, so I can definitely squeeze in a few classes. So please let me there, know. Yeah, you should. Um, you know, I'm I'm retired, so I'm not up to date on what the courses are for the fall or, or the spring. But you can certainly get on the website and see what's being offered. So. Well, thank you so much. Okay, yeah. I guess we'll get on to our next question. And um, so okay. especially during the turbulent times that the LGBT community has gone through, um, let's start with what impacts do you remember making throughout your life besides the, um, um, besides the LGBT minor at Syracuse? Um, what other things do you think you've been a part of for the LGBT community in you know, progressing against, you know, what's always been a marginalized community? For sure. Um, I, certainly during the time of HIV AIDS, um, I had, I w you know, I had many friends who were affected by it directly. And um, I, I participated, there was a local ACT UP group here. Uh, I participated a little bit in that. I taught, um, after a friend of mine died in the English department, Tom Yinling of HIV AIDS, I, I taught a course called the Rhetoric of AIDS, um, which was because there was so much art, poetry, photography, um, political work, act, I'm, I'm, I presume you are familiar with the work of ACT UP. Um, actually, I'm not familiar. I was about to ask you if you could uh, explain what ACT UP is for me. Oh. Oh my goodness. Okay, so ACT UP was a, a political response to the HIV AIDS epidemic, which, you know, was, you know about that, right? Of course, of course, yeah. I love yeah, yeah, Marlon okay, no, yeah, right. yeah, 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 okay, good. All right, me too. 
Um, so it was a group that started in New York City. It was a direct action group. It did protest. It um, did protest at the cathedral, uh, St. Pa St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City at the NIH. Um, pretty wonderful, um, exciting, embodied protests. Um, they, they also produce um, great art out of that. Um, you should look at a book called Dem AIDS Demographics to get a sense of how they how they developed it. There were also video groups that formed to, to uh, videotape what was going on, and so there was a small. So there, anyway, so I, I so I was aware of all of this this profusion is that like, for example, the question of how do you represent people with AIDS? Um, and too many of the mainstream press were presenting them in their most weakened, um, you know, physically wasted, uh, potentially covered in, in chaos lesions sort of way, as if they had become the disease. And as you know, there was a great deal of um, homo, homo, you know, virulent anti-gay, anti-homophobic, uh, I mean, homosexual sort of um, um, attack on, on people. So um, how to rep the questions of representation, who gets to tell the story, um, what does it mean to live with HIV AIDS um, and not just die from it, um, who gets it, what happens when it, when it goes into the so-called general population, <laughs> which was part of the language, like, like this was a, a gay disease and it was threatening the so-called general population as if gay men weren't part of the general population. Um, anyway, so out of that I decided to, and I'm a rhetoric person, so I wanted to design a course, and so I offered it for the for the fall of some year, I, I can't remember exactly what year, early in the epidemic, and I wasn't sure who would take it, because it really was sort of a course about death uh, in a lot of ways, but it filled the section, the section filled in immediately, and then we offered a second section and that within eight hours, there were two sections of 35 students in each section. Um, wow. And the, the students were great. Um, and we studied, we studied the rhetoric. We looked at magazines, we looked at films, we looked at like Philadelphia story, things, how things were being represented. And then we also engaged in um, some act, activism ourselves. That's, um, that's fantastic. So that was a big, and then I taught it again. And it was a very um, powerful experience for all of us, I think because it was sort of at the nexus of art and theory and, and life, uh, what was really going on. Um, so that was, that was something that I did. And that's partly what got me interested in this notion of the minor. Um, it just seemed really important. Oh, wow. it, seemed, it, it was really good that the Resource Center was doing around social issues and, and, and social life issues. It was very good what the Senate Committee was doing, addressing things like, you know, HR policy. Um, but it felt like we really needed also to look at the scholarship and what people were doing, uh, making visible um, the contributions and the realities of LGBTQ lives. So I would say that most of my work while I was teaching was was academic work. Um, I now am part of an organization called Sage Upstate, which is an organization for um, LGBTQ elders. Yeah, I'm familiar. And um, I'm, I'm on the board. So. So, and we are all, and we have an advocacy committee that is trying to address some of the terrible, I mean, the, the terrible laws that are being proposed in state legislatures and school boards and the, and the removal of books from libraries and the don't say gay kind of um, 
movement in Florida, which I'm sure you're all together too aware of. So we're trying to, as LGBTQ elders, trying to respond to that. Um, we're working, we've partnered with something called Project Open Books, which gets um, books into the hands for free, gets books into the hands of um, queer youth, which seems really important to do, especially as books are being, you know, taken out of libraries. That's fantastic, because so. queer youth are honestly very avid readers, and you see that a lot. Uh, yeah, well, in books... You know, I think I'm glad I always glad to hear that because books made all the difference to me too. So when I was in my early days of coming out, I read I read a book by Rita Mae Brown called Ruby Fruit Jungle, which was from the 70s, and it was the first book I read that was about lesbian desire, um, and it was fun. It was like a sexual romp. Like it wasn't like uh, full of agony. I mean, there was you know she never had doubts. She never. Had, um, the Molly Bolt, who's the, the heroine, um, didn't have doubts about her desire. She just was mad at the world for not making space for her, um, which was a really great thing to read. Um, it counters the shame that one, you know, the culture wants you to feel ashamed. Um, and this was all about joy. Wow, that's and the, desire. That's great. That's Yay, desire, right? Yeah, it sounds like a lovely book. <laughs> I have to remember that. I'll make sure to remember it. Give it a Ruby Fruit Jungle. I, 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 I taught, I had it, I assigned it in, uh, in some of my, I taught many of the QSX courses and I often assigned that book and it was still, it's still fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's from the seventies, but it was, it's uh, fun. No, yeah. I'm a, I'm into medieval literature. So whatever day oh, the book okay. is into, you know, I, I don't, I never mind too much. Um, yeah, yeah, good. But yeah, it's I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I love. I I also love reading all sorts because you know you can just look at how similar and how differently humans are over the thousands of yeah. years we've been able to write, and there's just yes. some crazy lines to be drawn. Okay. You know that's right. And there are also even on to not go back to the Middle Ages, but to even go back to the '70s, which sometimes feels like the Middle Ages. If you, the, you know, I did. I for a while worked on a project um, to sort of, re, you know, look at the history of LGBT presence on campus. Um, and you know, there was there were gay and lesbian student association organization. Um, they were doing things at kiss-ins and stuff on the hip, on the steps of Hendricks Chapel. Um, you know, so even that little bit of history going back even just to the 70s is kind of exciting. And I I love making, you know, sort of touching across time that way, sort of not my world exactly, not exactly the language I would use, but, you know, connecting in some way. So. Wow, that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, the 70s are such an interesting time, especially for studying LGBTQ culture. And yeah. it's, yeah. it's definitely, I don't know, it must have been a crazy time to be around for. And I'm very jealous that you were around for it. But I know, <laughs> I know there was, I know that that means like there was a lot going on that wasn't so great. But. Well, but that 70s, you know, was, you know, post Stonewall was this eruption of energy and um, it was exciting. And then HIV AIDS came along and, you know, really slammed that down and, you know, really all that, all that liberation, all that, all that, Gay liberation, what they call gay liberation, that connected to anti-war work, um, connected to women's liberation. I mean, there was this whole sort of global um, sense of change happening. Um, that was, you know, difficult 
And then HIV AIDS came along and you know, really smacked all that down for a while. Yeah. But the radicalness of it, right? Uh, even the lesbian separatism was interesting. You know, I mean, it was just, just everybody was engaged in that conversation. That is so, that's so interesting. And yeah, going back to the rhetoric, I remember looking through articles because my years to study were 2001 to 2006. And that's how I found your name. I, I went through lots of newspapers and all the articles. And we have these big binders at the center full mm -hmm. of, you know, just like flyers and everything that was happening. Yeah. So I'm able to see what 2001 to 2006 were like, you know, chronologically just based on a few pictures and it's interesting to see that the problems back then are definitely you know they were they were growing much more seriously new york had just legalized gay marriage in like 2001 yeah. i believe it was it was crazy that's the first article i opened up to and aids was referenced a lot it was it was really interesting yeah. um so if we can move on to the next question, I guess it's still going along, but I just want to hear more about what your LGBTQ experience has been like at Syracuse University or within the city of Syracuse. Okay. Well, when I first came here, there was a really great lesbian bar called the Laurel Tree, which if you talk to LGBTQ elders, especially women, you're going to hear about because it was fabulous. <laughs> Uh, in in the area that's called Holly Green now, um, so that was that was the center of um, certainly lesbian life, or what we you know what, I guess we called ourselves lesbians. I always called myself a dyke, but um, why but we was were, this bar so special? Bar. Sorry, sorry if I interrupted. You. Oh, the bar was great. So um, it was an old house, I think. Um, I don't think the building is still there, and there were three different floors, and um, they're somewhat divided by age. I, I think people picked and chose which floor they're going to be on a little bit by age. And music and dancing, and I think, I'm sure this isn't literally, literally the case, but it feels to me like everybody was there. Like, everybody came out, you went with your friends. Um, it was really fun. It was, it was you know, I, it was sort of like, a little, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to be queer in a straight world still, I think. Uh, in ways, and it was hard then. And so, it's not, some people were closeted. They had jobs. They had jobs like teaching in the public schools and stuff where they couldn't come out. So you needed a place where you could explode a little bit and and just be really queer. Um, it's, it was similar to in the early days. I I don't you know Provincetown. Um, you know P Town. I'm not sure if I know Provincetown. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's in it's on Cape Cod. And it's a um, it's a it's a queer resort town, right on the tip of Cape Cod, Provincetown. Um, and I used to I go there I still go there I go we my wife and I go there almost every year um, for a little little vacation. But the first few years I went there, which was a long time ago, uh, it was that same feeling that the Laurel Tree provided, which was like oh, queer people everywhere, <laughs> fantastic. Um, it just flips the it flipped the script, right? It was like I'm not this, you know, one queer person among you know a million straight people, but it's like we're we're the queer people, and we're the we're in the dominant number. Um, it was re it's really exciting. I, I I still find that I still find that in my old age very appealing. Like I like to have some time 
when I'm primarily with um, queer people. It's partly why I'm with Sage too. It's nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. We were definitely trying to reach out to Sage, and I want to let you know I definitely got that second email. I'm sorry, I was just you know trying to set up the whole studio, and I haven't well, okay. been able chance to respond. But I will make sure that especially everyone. I mean, it's probably going to be a lot of me doing it too because elders are kind of what I'm looking towards, and especially speaking to because okay. I'm so interested in you know especially you know, the 70s and hearing about AIDS and hearing about how it was dealt with and hearing about how you guys accomplished and overcame right. all of this. And, yeah. you know, we live in a better yeah. world because of because of you guys. And Well, that's very generous of you to say. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no. It's the least. We had, uh, by the way, so I'm, hat I'm, I'm chairman of the board of SAGE this year. And I'm, I'm the one that's sort of pushing Sage's involvement in this project, because Jorge and I had talked about this, and Christian before him, and, uh, and Chuck Morris, or maybe you know Chuck Morris. Um, we've wanted to do this. We had a cross-generational dinner right before the pandemic started in November of 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had Sage people who are like in their 60s and 70s, and some middle-range people in their 40s, and then some students from campus. Um, and it was it was really fun. It was fun for everybody, actually. I heard um, about that. Sort of actually, yeah. I think we were planning to do I, that I last think, year. Yeah, and the, you know this, you know, it's this pandemic really with the kibosh on stuff. I think there's real interest in doing something again um, when it feels safe. You know, especially because old people are more vulnerable to the to COVID. Mm -hmm. um, we had our first picnic outdoors. 70 people came, um, and they were really glad to see each other. Yeah, it's so great to finally be actually seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, finally, after two years. Well, I, it was, it's was. it been a long haul, hasn't it? I know. I know, especially for me. It's been a tenth of my life, so it's been... Yeah, I can't imagine that. Well, I can't... What it, so, yeah, that's right. That's really a lot. Yeah, it, it seems like too much, but... I mean, it came at a bad time for me, too, because it was college, gra well, graduating high school, going into college. But, you know, it, uh, we'll see. I mean, there's some good and there's some bad to it. But, you know, life goes on, I guess. Did you, did you, so were you on campus the two years? or? Yeah, I was on uh, campus. What did you, I, I moved, you were on campus. I moved over from London and um, I went to... Yeah, I just lived on campus because I was supposed to go to University of Amsterdam, but they didn't open until like December of last year. So I see. Yeah, I, see. I I was like ready for school. I want to graduate young and go to grad school young, and you know keep keep working, yeah. keep going to school, get all my education done as fast as I can. But I love school. So how? So I uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love school too. I miss I I miss I miss it actually. Um, I miss the students conversations like this. Yeah, we'll come back. There are many people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, did you, what were, were you going to go to the University of Amsterdam for LGBTQ stuff? No, I was probably just going into, for media, because they have a really great media uh, program. And um, I don't know, um, I actually, I wasn't that dedicated to the media program. I actually wasn't as sure of what I wanted to do yet. And I came into Syracuse undecided, but 
after taking a few English classes and like especially taking a couple with Professor Moody, who I'm not sure if you know. I know, yeah, 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 she's my neighbor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she yeah. right behind. I love Professor this Moody. This is a small town, we all know everybody. Yeah, yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she's she's one of my favorite but, teachers and uh, she's really taught me so much and like I love, she's really into the medieval stuff too, so that's why I enjoy it. Yes, yeah, she is. And, um, yeah. That's great. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, we get along really well. And, um, yeah, she's definitely one of the reasons why, I don't know, after, especially after taking, like, more workshop classes, then you realize, like, oh, I really enjoy writing and maybe writing is what I've been yeah. good at because I've always been good at humanities but never really realized why. But I think it's just because I've always been a good writer. But... Like words, you like language. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really, I push myself to keep to keep on, you know, reading every day. I give myself an amount to read and make sure I read things that are interesting and stuff that's, you know, I don't know. You read and you want to read more because you see all these references and allusions in literature. Yeah. And you're just immediately, yeah. immediately drawn to think like, oh my gosh, I have to read Ovid and Virgil. Now that I've <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. I completely love that. That's great. Okay, we can get on to. Um, okay. I mean, we actually uh, yeah. covered this one, um, but if you want to go into it again a little bit more and discuss about how HIV and AIDS and any other, you know, esoteric world happenings that dealt with the LGBT or that affected the LGBT. Population have affected you? If you want to go into any more historical well, events. So I think that um, in my actual personal life, it, the HIV/AIDS was like completely transformative in the sense that it changed my politics. It made me more radical. Um, it it taught me what it means to fight as a collective response to injustice. Um, I think that. That was that for me personally was uh, probably probably nothing has affected me as much as that. I mean, I I'm, I think it's great that we can get married, and I am married, but even even same sex marriage didn't have quite the same impact. I mean, I think it's great. I'm all in favor of it if people want to do it. Not everybody wants to. I understand that. Yeah, that's um, that's that's like interesting that you say that, but I totally see where you're coming from because you know it's you know, life and death with AIDS and... With life and death with AIDS and the, and the, the lack of a government response, um, the, the representation, of the, the way that the, rep, the representations of particularly gay men, but all of us, because, you know, we all, I, you know, we're all in together, right? Um, that those representations which drew on these long histories of things, um, like the syphilitic, for example, um, from the Middle Ages, um, so these figures that, that that sort of get conjured back up into to the new figure of the of the gay guy with AIDS, and those early men suffered from a version of AIDS that was very you know involved a very quick, often a very quick death, um, and one that involved a lot of wasting, getting very thin. Um, so these questions of 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 how quickly, <laughs> I guess we could say that about the last ten years in this country or the last six. How quickly things can draw back on these these um, old fears, these old angers and hostilities, these own uh, these old unjust unjust 
sort of versions of the world can become the dominant again. Um, so that any, so that that notion of progress that the 70s had given us, like, oh good, the, the bad old days are over. Boom, here we were and here, the, here it was again. It's not, history doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. It's not linear. And the arc, the arc may move, may bend towards justice, but it may bend very slowly and it can snap right back. Um, so that was very important and difficult lesson, I think. For, not just for me, I think for all of us. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, I guess let's talk about um, how you've dealt with any intersectional oppression against your race, your gender, or your sexual orientation. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I like many people probably have had some um, experiences in my in my career here at SU um, where I, I had to uh, had to um, where things happened that were struck me as homophobic and um, affected my career and I had to um, fight those with uh, getting a lawyer and stuff I don't really want to go into all those details but I have certainly had the experience of having having been smacked down by things and, ha and needing to fight for them uh, individually, not just collectively like the HIV AIDS, but individually having to fight for some rights, um, which yeah. were some difficult times. Yeah, well, thank you. And I'm sorry you had to lawyer up, but um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's too Me bad too. stuff like that happens. And I, I hope Syracuse has changed. And if it's anything to do with the school, um, yeah. It was, it did have to do with and um, I think it's I think it's better. Um, I don't I don't I think I don't know. But I think it could still happen to people. I mean, feel free to be as honest as you'd like here. Don't. Yeah. I hope yeah. you don't feel the need to you know remain behind any sort of filter. You're you're able to say whatever you'd like to me, and I'm here to yeah know, make sure that we this interview will be published and people should hear what you have to say. So I have, so I have, I have had that experience, um, which I, I'm not going to go into detail with. I've also had the experience of um, being completely supported. So it depends a little bit on who, who your department chair is, and who the dean is, and who the provost is, and who the chancellor is, um, to the extent to which you feel supported. So, but I also, my, you know, I also felt very supported. I was um, associate provost for international education for six years. I ran study abroad. I was, you know, very. Um, you know, it was fine. I, I, there may have been some backlash to that, but I never, I never experienced it directly. So it's, it's um, I think institutions are complicated that way. And it depends a lot on individuals and, and what they know and what they believe and, and what they are ignorant about, actually. So I think it, this is a generally speaking, a Northeastern, more liberal university. And generally speaking, um, People are accepting and um, more than accepting, actually. But every now and then, not so much. So. Exactly. That's that's definitely how I've felt my experience be at Syracuse as well. And you know, especially in dorm life, you'll see it more when you're around people you don't, you know, choose to be around. And oh. that's how it oh, is yeah, as a I student. Bet. You know. But yeah, I mean, if you'd like yeah. to, yeah, I. Um, 
I guess we're moving on to what wisdom would you like to bestow upon future generations of queer and non-queer <laughs> listeners of this oral history? So I, I, I don't think um, I have any magic wisdom. Um, I, do, I do think it's incredibly important that we talk to each other. Like I'm really enjoying this conversation with you, Sebastian. Thank you so much. I think much. it's important that we talk that we share our histories and our perspectives and our experiences and our favorite books. Um, and that, and that we, that it's so important to feel part of a community, um, and to feel part of a collective, um, at all costs. Uh, it's easy to get isolated. It's easy to get clicked up with friends. I think it's really, really important to have events and experiences with a lot, you know, with, with a larger sense of community that you feel a part of history and a part of place and a part of something um, good. Wow, that, that That's was why I like teaching <laughs> I love teaching the QSX history course, even though I know not everybody's into history, like you and me. Um, but I think it's, you know, and there are all these like fabulous digitized archives and stuff. I mean, you can just find yourself right in a primary text from 19 whatever. <laughs> um, and I think it's really important to, to feel connected that way too. And I think there are opportunities, not just interpersonal opportunities, but also, um, you know, digital opportunities now and stuff. So That's, it's exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And okay. I guess we'll get on to more about just you and, you know, and, uh, and I wanted to ask like, what are some things that are bringing you joy or bring you joy? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, um, I have two grandchildren. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. 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 That they, yeah, they're eight and five now and they bring me pure, pure, pure joy. Um, it's, I find it, um, I find these political times uh, very challenging. Um, joy. Um, I feel scared sometimes these days. Um, I don't like what's happening in the world. Um, and it feels a little overwhelming. So um, I'm very happy to be working with Sage. That gives me joy. Again, it's collective collective activism. <laughs> um, really, really makes a difference. I think so. Yeah. Thank you so Stay much connected. for that. Yeah. I guess the message is to stay connected. Yeah. As I, best I, one can. I'm excited to work with Sage more, especially after meeting you. I'll have to make sure to like let Jorge know that we should uh, definitely interview all those numbers you gave us. And well, I, I think, and I don't know all those people on the list. They were at the picnic. They just sort of signed up at the picnic. Oh, I saw that one of them, they're new to Some of these people are new to me. I mean, many of the people are new to me because we haven't been meeting a lot. Um, but I saw that one of them was connected with a, with a newsletter that was, that was in the town, it was in town in the early seventies and stuff. So, it, there could be an open into a lot of material too. I, I know that doesn't fit exactly into what you're doing, but it's kind of fun to, to read these old newsletters. And stuff. I mean, anything helps. And I think it does fit into what we're doing. We're literally, this is all about Syracuse, the city itself as well. And Syracuse, the yeah. school itself. And my role so far has been more focused on the school so far because I didn't really, you know, have the opportunity to speak to someone from Sage yet. But now that I have, I think yeah. I'll definitely, you know, be able to feel well, at least now I know exactly 
a lot more about it and especially a lot more about Syracuse and about how, you know, it's just interesting. I'm going to speak with um, someone else soon. I think of Patty Hayes. I'm not sure if you know who she is. Oh, yeah. She's a professor, yeah, at George Brown in Canada. So I'm speaking to her after this, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I, I think I remember Patty Hayes. That was a while back. Yeah. That's great. It's good. Good, good, good. <laughs> And, um, okay, and finally, are there any words you would like to share with anyone or add, or add anything else about your experience as a queer person in Syracuse? Um, I'm really, really glad you're doing this project. Um, I've been interested in it for a long time, and I'm glad to see Jorge bringing it to fruition. I'm glad to see, the, I think there are three of you doing the interviews. I'm glad about that. Um, I, I, it will be interesting I think things change a lot, and I think having going, you know, having conversation, cross-generational conversations is really good. I will learn a lot from reading these uh, and listening to these audio interviews too, especially with the students. Um, so I'm really glad that we're creating this this document or this record or this this archive um, of for everyone's sake. So thank you. I'm very grateful that you're doing it. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak with me. And it's been so fantastic. And yes, I'm very excited to send this interview off to you. Uh, I'm sure you'll Thank be you. pleased because from what I'm hearing through my headphones right now, it seems great. And you're a lovely person <laughs> to speak to. And it's been fantastic. So. Well, thank you so, so much. So are you. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. I, I'm sorry if I took time out of thank your you. day to, for this, but um, Thank you so I'm much. Happy to, I'm happy that we have this time, Sebastian, and, and anything more I can do, I'm happy to do. Okay. I'll make sure to like right. keep you in the loop, okay? Thank you. Well, Thank you. I like to be looped. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day, okay? Thank you, Sebastian. You too. Thanks so much, Margaret. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.